time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Ah, yes, the Vintage Truth Podcast now being heard in 20 countries around the world. You know, a couple of these countries that are listening in, I've never even heard of them. Wow, shows how dumb I am about geography. Anyway, so... Vintage Truth Podcast is really growing, and I would appreciate it if you would subscribe to this podcast, and all that means is that you'll just get a notification when a new podcast is released, and you'll know what it's about, and go, hey, I think I'd like to listen to that, click, right? So I've got lots of people that are listening in their cars, and listening at home, and just laying in bed, and listening on their headphones, whatever, but it's just tuning into God's Word, that's what it's all about. So I hope that these uh, podcasts are really being a blessing to you, and if you'd like to bless me back, then uh, I am encouraging you to be a part of what I call Team 8. And Team 8 is just a group of people who would be willing to sponsor these podcasts for $8 a month. That's a dollar a podcast, okay? And you can do that simply by going to jeffkinley.com and clicking on the Donate tab. And the rest is easy. You just click on you know the other tab and it takes you to PayPal. And you can work all that out. You can make, a month, make it a monthly reoccurring a donation for $8. So if this podcast is blessing your heart and your life, uh, feel free to do that. I'd really appreciate it. Okay, we're talking about the rapture, and this is our final uh, message here on the rapture in this particular uh, prophecy series here. But we've talked about how we're right in the middle of First Thessalonians chapter 4, and we ended last time by talking about that there is this doctrine of eminence. When I mean eminence, it means that the first century church believed that Jesus could come back at any time. They weren't going to say, well, let's just wait to the end of the tribulation period and he'll come back for us then. No, they believed he was returning before then to rapture them up into heaven. We've already covered most of First Thess 4, but we're pausing here for just a second to look at this doctrine of eminence and to ask the question, did a spirit of expectancy exist in the early church? In other words, did they believe that Jesus could come back at any time? That's the rapture, Okay. That's the rapture. Well, how about Romans 13, 11, knowing the time that it is already the hour. Romans 13, 12, the night is almost gone and the day is near. 1 Corinthians 1, 7, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 16, 22, we mentioned this last time. Maranatha is the word used by the early church for hello or goodbye. You say Maranatha, I say Maranatha. It's from an Aramaic term meaning our Lord come. First, excuse me, Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await, await a Savior. First Thess 1.10, to wait for his Son from heaven. Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.28, so also Christ will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Hebrews 10.25, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 1 Peter 4.7, the end of all things is near. 1 John 2.18, we know that it is the last hour. Jude 21, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 3, 11, Jesus says, I am coming quickly. Hold fast. I like that. 
Revelation 22.7, Behold, I am coming quickly. Revelation 22.12, Behold, I am coming quickly. Revelation 22.20, Yes, I am coming quickly. Hello, McFly, I mean, you getting this? Jesus Christ is coming back, and he can come back at any time he chooses to do so. Anytime the Father says, do it. Anytime the trumpet gets ready, and the archangel's about to make that announcement, he's, he's on the precipice of heaven, ready to dive down here. It's clear that Jesus' second coming, and that's what we need to make a distinction between, the second coming and the rapture. The rapture, Jesus comes for the church. At the second coming, he comes with the church. So it's clear that Jesus' second coming will occur at the conclusion of the seven-year tribulation, Revelation 19. But if there is no pre-tribulational rapture, this means that the rapture and the second coming could be the same event, in case there's no, which in which case there's no eminence or sense of expectancy about his return. And it doesn't make sense that Christ would come get us, take us up to heaven in an instant, and then immediately we'd come right back down again. It's called the yo-yo effect, right? No, these are two distinct events, and I believe that Jesus is going to exempt the church from the tribulation period and God's wrath poured out on planet Earth. Therefore, I believe these two events must be separate, and there are many other reasons why we're not getting into right now. But Paul further says that only Christians will participate in this rapture, not good people, not churched people, not denominational people, not people who follow the rules. It's saved people, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the bride of Christ, and every one of them, every one of them. You see, at a wedding, the groom is only interested in the bride. Well, he should be. Only she is privileged to marry him. She alone captivates his attention. She alone receives his affection and the pledge of his faithful presence for as long as they both shall live. My friend, Jesus Christ is coming back for his bride. And that bride includes all believers, young and old, from every tribe, tongue, nation, throughout the church age. We're going to break the bonds of this earth, defy gravity's laws, soar upward, race towards the one who purchased us with a great price. You see, there's nothing like the rapture in history. I mean, Enoch got to go to heaven. Elijah got to go to heaven. I mean, Philip was snatched away. Paul was snatched up. But nothing like this rapture. And that's exactly why, by the way, this rapture event, this parousia, this harpazoi, this rapture, has been portrayed and preached so dramatically. And one reason why people mock it so much. But you know what? You can mock the rapture. You can dismiss the rapture. You can try to explain away the rapture. But you cannot deny that when it occurs, it will send the entire world into panic and chaos. Because we're going to be gone. Tens of millions, perhaps hundreds of millions, will disappear from planet Earth. For believers, though, there won't be any chaos. There won't be any panic. There'll be peace. There'll be celebration for us, not confusion that'll be left behind here on the earth. 
Those Christians who are caught up will meet Jesus face to face, the mere thought of which brings us rapturous joy. There will be a reunion in the air, by the way. If you have a loved one who's died ahead of you and you are part of the rapture generation, you're going to be reunited to them. (laughs) I mean, how can you possibly put that emotion into words? I mean, it's more joyous than a last-second game-winning touchdown or a half-court buzzer beater to win the national championship. It's more emotional than a soldier returning home from war. This reunion trumps all earthly homecomings as together all Christians get to go to heaven. And then something happens in that moment that has been on the heart of Jesus Christ since the foundation of the world. At last, his purpose in choosing us is fulfilled. You want to know what it is? Here it is. We get to be with him. Yeah. That's been what he's long been longing for for these past 2,000 years. That's what he's waited for. That's what he's been preparing for. His joy at the rapture will be even greater than ours. Did you have any idea that he loved you like this? And the Bible says, and thus we will always be together with the Lord. And that's exactly why Paul concludes in 1 Thess 4. In verse 18, he says, therefore... In light of this, these truths, he says, comfort one another with these words. See, the rapture is a doctrine of comfort. It's a doctrine of, of encouragement. It's a doctrine of security. And it's something that God wants us to believe. It, it's not just a doctrine. It's a romance. It's an ancient promise fulfilled. It's, it's during that moment when you and I are raptured, that you're going to realize that your vision of Jesus Christ, what you thought about him, was so infantile. You're going to realize that how little you really thought of him, how weak your worship was of this Christ. You're going to realize that he's more majestic than the preacher could ever describe. That he's more powerful than he's been portrayed in books, more beautiful than you could have ever imagined. And it's at that moment that you will finally realize what Paul wrote in Philippians 2 when he says that in the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My friends, I fear today that we have lost the spirit of expectation for Jesus Christ's return in the church, that we're just doing church as usual, just covering these daily how to get along kind of sermons, just entertaining people, making them feel good, that type of thing. And, and guess what? I get it. You know, that draws crowds. People want to be, be told how good they are. They want to be told that how great they are and how great life can be. They want to be told that life's going to be great. Everything's good. Hey, hey, you're good. Life's good. We're good. Let's have a good time. They, they don't want to be told about Christ's return. I don't know why. It, it's the greatest doctrine that we could focus on in terms of the end times. And yet so many pastors avoid it today. God wants you, though. God wants his church to eagerly await the return of his son because the rapture is meant to infuse hope into believers. It's it's not something to be debated or be dismissed. It's something to, to give us comfort. And yet even Peter 
when he wrote his epistle, he realized that in the last days, he says, mockers will come with their mocking. And what are they mocking? He says specifically, they will ask this question, where is the promise of his coming? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to mock the rapture. They're going to mock the return of Jesus Christ. Yet even so, some, even in the church, don't believe today that the rapture is real. They think it's a recent phenomenon. They don't think it's in the Bible. They think it's a wish, you know, a means of escape from persecution. And hey, listen, we can hold different views on eschatology. We can hold different visions of how the end times will, will play out. That, that's fine. We can still get along for that. Believing in the rapture is not essential for your salvation, okay? But it is something I believe is taught in Scripture. And I think if you do the research, you'll come to that same conclusion as well. But, but here's the deal. To have no strong belief about future things is to be naive and irresponsible as a Christian. You need to know what you believe about what's going to happen to you and about what's going to happen to the church, about what's going to happen to the world. You need to know that. God wrote a book so that you could know it. So just to have no belief about it means you're, you're just a naive Christian. Why do you want to be, why you want to be like that? Why do you want to be irresponsible? Jesus wants every one of his followers to be equipped and informed about what he's written down for them concerning prophecy in the last days. Because, see, if you don't do this, is that you open up yourself to foolish speculations, to personal opinions, to feelings. Well, I think, well, that's... You generally know something's not true when someone just says, well, I think. You open yourself up to false teaching about prophecy, misinterpretation of prophecy, and it puts your faith on shaky ground. By the way, I've, I've got a book coming out in November called Uncovering the Secrets of Bible Prophecy, where I teach you in that book how to interpret Bible prophecy. That'll be coming in the fall. But it's healthy for us to have strong beliefs about the rapture and about what's going to happen in the future. And friends, the, the mere fact that some of this information is new to some of you listening tells me that there's a big void in the church today in terms of, of biblical knowledge and biblical doctrines. You know, we just keep rehashing the same basic doctrines over and over again, the ABCs of Christianity. And they're important, don't get me wrong. I mean, we need to continue to visit the foundations of our faith. But there are some churches and even some denominations that just never grow beyond the bottle. And when I say the bottle, I mean the, the milk bottle. They're never just weaned off the milk to get onto the meat of doctrine of the Christian life. And, and as a result of that, they, they never grow teeth. You know why God gives us teeth? Well, one reason is so that we can chew. And and what do we chew? We chew meat. And God wants us to have milk and meat. And part of that meat is some of the, the sound doctrine that Paul talks about in his epistles that, that Jesus talks about in, in Matthew 24 concerning the last days. That's meat stuff for Christians. That's not for baby Christians. And so if you want to grow on to maturity in Christ, you need to begin to tackle some of the deeper things. It's like get out of the kiddie pool. You need to wade out above your waist in, in the waters of God's truth 
and you need to dive down a little bit and go beyond. And, and that's, that's the kind of church you want to be a part of. You want to be a part of a church that's tackling some of the tough truths, not just social issues and, and things that are going on in society. You know, those are okay, but it's the biblical issues that we need to be discussing because the biblical issues help us tackle the social issues. I mean, if we're informed big, biblically about things, about what is true and not true and moral and not moral and what's going to happen in the future and that type of thing, then we're more able to function out in real society. See, if you learn about Christ and his love and salvation, then guess what? You're not going to be a racist because you're going to go out in society and, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? You don't, you don't need a seminar about it. You just need to be doctrinally informed and equipped with the word of God. If you're informed about prophecy, then guess what? You're going to be able to go out into the world and not fear. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars and things that are happening in our world and, and the news, the nightly news and, and the online news is trying to work you up into a frenzy and get you all worried about what's going to happen, you don't have to worry about it because you've read the book. You know what's going to happen. You know who's in charge. And if you are, are taught the doctrine of the rapture, then you not only have the comfort of knowing that if you're alive at that time, you're going to be raptured, but you know that it can happen at any time. And it causes us to purify our lives. It causes us to, to prepare ourselves for the return of Jesus Christ. And my friends, that's what true theology always does. True theology always changes us from the inside out. It makes us different people. You know, when I was a, a high schooler, I became a Christian in high school. And I remember even as a baby Christian wanting more, wanting more. And I would hear a message. I would go to a youth meeting or a youth camp or whatever. And I remember as a baby Christian just going, why is he spoon feeding us? Why is he just trying to get us to laugh? Why, why does he just give us some good stuff? For Tell me about God. Tell me about God's word. Tell me what the Bible means. That's what I want. And, and that's what believers crave, man. We want milk, but we also want meat. Give me something I can sink my teeth into. Give me a juicy steak of truth, something I can just chew down on, man, and savor that flavor in my soul and just let it marinate into my spirit and go down into my body. I want to experience this truth that God has written for me. That's the kind of church you want to be a part of. That's the kind of pastor you want to be if you're a pastor. That's the kind of Christian that you want to be as you share God's truth and as you dive into God's truth yourself. And my friends, believing in the, in the rapture is one of those truths. It's one of those things that, that humbles you, but it also gives you great confidence in your belief, even when someone doubts it or ridicules or mocks it. You see, history is building to a climactic crescendo. And what Christians are listening for, we're listening for the sound of someone's voice. And while we listen, let us remain alert and awake. Because guess what? There are exactly zero prophetic signs left that are leading up to the rapture. In other words, there are no prophecies left to be fulfilled this side of the rapture. They're all going to be fulfilled on the other side of the rapture. So instead of looking for signs, bride, listen for your bridegroom's voice 
and look for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The rapture of the church. Are you ready? Hey, I'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.